Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. If you're here for the first time, we've been on a series called Uprising, and we've been just talking about different virtues, and we're wrapping that up today with perseverance. And, you know, I really want to really talk especially to a couple different groups of people, but if this doesn't relate to you today, believe me, you will be there at some point in your life if you haven't already. But I want to talk to those who feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like giving up in a friendship or your marriage or feel like giving up on a dream. Maybe you feel like giving up on dealing with some of the soul stuff, you know, some of that stuff that just takes a long time to work through. Or some of you, you know, baby dedication Sunday, you have beautiful children, but sometimes they grow up and they get to a stage where you kind of feel like, I just want to give up on my kids. <laughs> you know, maybe some of your parents are honestly there and you feel bad because you feel like a horrible parent. You are not a horrible parent. Anybody who's given birth to offspring, anybody who's had children, you know there are moments where you're just like, I just want to walk away. I just want to walk away. But no, seriously, I, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like giving up on a loved one who's struggling through an addiction. That is a hard thing to walk through with people, too. It's very hard. And, you know, and you've tried. You have prayed. You have believed. And you just feel like you have nothing more to give. Or maybe you're already in the I gave up category. Maybe you've already, papers are signed at the lawyers, you told the kids, you gave your notice, you changed your relationship status on Facebook. We're done. (laughs) And maybe even another group of you, as I'm talking, you're starting to think about something a long time ago that you gave up on, and you're kind of feeling guilty. You know what? I just want to stop you right there. This just, I want to put you at ease, because this is a good news message. This isn't a guilt, shame, condemnation message. God's good news message is that any situation is redeemable. There is nothing beyond God that he cannot take and use to accomplish his good purposes for you and I. And so I just want to put you at ease that way. It is good news. Everybody say good news. And it's really, it's my hope and my prayer. And and really as I was preparing, really believing that, you know what? God is going to do something in you today. He's going to impart something to you. So that if you're in any one of these categories, man, you can go out of here different than how you came in. And I really believe that. I really believe there is going to be something that's going to switch. Not just, some of you are just going to make a mental decision, but I really believe there's going to be a supernatural impartation today that God is going to give you his spirit to enable you to keep standing when you feel like, I can't do this anymore. Man, we were singing about it for quite a while this morning already. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful. And that's what he wants to impart to you. And so... To start, I got a couple stories. The first story, and these are true stories. So the first one, 1952, a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick, who happened to be the world record holder of swimming the English Channel, and also the first woman to swim the English Channel there and swim it both ways. She was now getting ready to swim 26 miles. 
oh my gosh. Like, how many of you was like, I didn't even, you know, and when they were, I was, I was reading about this. They said, open water swimmers, you're navigating. They have boats that go alongside you to kill the sharks. Like, they had guns to beat off the sharks. You're, sw- I know, hello, you're swimming through sludge, sometimes oil spills, jellyfish things. They said a lot of open water swimmers come out, like, completely bruised from stung, like, getting stung by jellyfish. Like, yeah, she's nuts. 26 miles from Catalina Island to the California coastline. After 15 hours of swimming, a thick fog set in, and she began to doubt her ability to make it. She was exhausted. She wanted to quit. Her mother was in a boat, like beside her, kind of like a support boat. And she told her mom that she didn't think she could make it. And her mom and the people that were there off to the side that they were following along with her, they were cheered her on. And so she swam for another hour before she asked to be taken out of the water. And as she sat in the boat, she found out she had stopped swimming a half mile from shore. <laughs> Can you imagine? And in an interview afterwards, she said, look, I'm not excusing myself. But if I could have seen land, I know I would have made it. The fog had made her, had made the the shoreline, she couldn't see anything. And it made her feel like she was getting nowhere. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. You know, I wonder how many of us can relate to poor Florence. You know, you feel like it. It's just like life feels foggy. Your purpose feels foggy. You're kind of conflicted. It's like you really don't want to give up. You don't want to quit. But all of the reasons, everything that has kept you going in the past, all of the, everything you took, it's all really kind of, it's really, really hard to see the why that kept you going before. The reasons aren't quite as clear as they used to be. And it's really hard to keep hoping, keep trying. You feel like you're in a fog. And you know, sometimes the fog is circumstances. Sometimes it's, you know, people around us. Sometimes it's just the chaos inside of us and outside of us. But how many of us can relate to that? Man, life feels, it feels foggy. I just feel like I can't see the end. I know if I could just see the shoreline, I wouldn't quit. And you know, I like even that statement, and I think it kind of speaks to hope. Would you agree? It kind of sounds like hope. If I could have just seen the shoreline, I would have made it. But here's the thing, and I'm going to show you something maybe you've never seen before. It's probably the biggest mistake we make when it comes to perseverance and hope. Because we often think, and you know, the memes and, or the, you know, the cute little Pinterest board quotes or wherever you see them, you know, there, a lot of times there are these, you know, really inspirational quotes that we kind of believe that if we just could find something to hope in and this, this stories about hope, then we could persevere. We think that hope, perse- we think that perseverance comes from hope, but does it? Let's look at some scripture. Romans 15, 4. Paul is writing, and he says, you see, everything written in the days of old was recorded to give us instructions for living. We find encouragement through the scriptures and a call to perseverance that will produce 
hopeful living. That seems completely backwards. I feel like I need hope in order to persevere. But here, Scripture is telling me something different. Perseverance produces hopeful living. We see it a couple chapters earlier in the same book in Romans, where Paul says, he describes it a different way, Romans 5. He says that not only that, but we also boast in our affliction. Something, Paul is crazy. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like boasting when I am afflicted. I feel like doing something different. But we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. So we have endurance, or we have perseverance before we can have hope. See, typically we think, if I can hope in something, that's going to keep me going through the tough stuff. But is that really what enables us to persevere? Chadwick, she couldn't see the shoreline, and she gave up. But we're going to look at another story. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews. It tells a different story about a different shoreline. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. If you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, it's one of the books in the New Testament. It was written, they think, somewhere between 67 and 70 A.D. to Jewish Christians who were living in Rome. Now, if you know anything about Roman history at that time, the most ruthless, horrible leader of the time, Nero, was ruling about this same time. Mike told stories a couple weeks ago about Nero, who was known for taking Christians and turning them into human torches. He would put them on a stake, and then they would douse them with oil and burning some, whatever fuel that would make them burn, and then light them on fire. And they said a lot of times Rome was lit up at night by these human torches burning Christians. You think we got it bad? <laughs> Hello, mandates. Man, we ain't got no, they ain't got nothing on how hard it was. Everyone say, I got it easy. <laughs> I got it easy. Oh, yes, we do, baby. But, I mean, go figure. Hebrews, and they actually don't know who the author was. Some think it was Paul. Some think it was maybe Apollo. Some actually think it was Priscilla, and that's why it wasn't named, because she was a woman at that time. But, I mean, she was always a woman. But at that time... <laughs> <laughs> At that time, women, you, they didn't have it. They weren't accepted as credible. But anyway, I like to think it was Priscilla. Who knows? But the Jewish Christians, it was written to these Jewish Christians at the time who were under such severe persecution that many of them were actually abandoning the faith. And this isn't to shame them. And, and I think even this is why, man, we can draw a lot of encouragement from Scripture. Because it really puts things into perspective. It's like when we think we got it bad, there is always someone who's got it worse. But chapter 1 through 9, just we're not going to read the whole book of Hebrews, but chapter 1 through 9, it's actually, it's actually talking about their Jewish roots, and it's pointing to how Jesus was the fulfillment of those, all of those, those stories, all of the prophecies, all of the law, how Jesus fulfilled everything, all of their customs. And it's all leading up into verse chapter 10. And this is what I want to read, because this is where it gets so crazy, in a good way. Here we go. Let's, let me get my up. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 
uh, verse 32, the writer is saying, he says, remember those early days after you first saw the light. Those were the hard times. It must have been worse. You were kicked around in public. Targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some of your friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile. And you know what? This is what they're, what they're talking about here. At any time, people could come in and arrest you simply for being a Christ follower. Businesses, if you were a Christian, you had a business. Your business was often shut down when it was found out you were a follower and a believer in Jesus. If your enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. That is crazy. But man, what faith these early Christians, man, they had. They had this, this anticipation that Jesus was going to show up any minute. Jumping down to about verse 39, we are not quitters who lose out. Oh no, we're going to stay with it and survive. We're going to trust all the way. You see, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. And then the rest of chapter 11, it goes in and it talks about what's known in church or maybe you heard about it in Sunday school or Bible or some other Bible setting where the hero's hall of faith. I mean, it goes through all of these stories of men and women in scripture who had stood their ground through really hard times and had stood their ground trusting and stood their ground in faith. And it starts telling about all of them, but then it wraps up in verse 11 at the end. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, not one of them got their hands on what was promised. I need to read that again because I think there's some here, maybe even watching. You were raised in an environment that told you if you just had more faith, you'd get it. If you just had stronger faith, it would happen. If you could somehow squeeze that faith, you could squeeze that answer to your prayer out. <laughs> but you know what? Scripture tells us something different. None of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. Some of you, I want to just speak just a freedom over your heart for any feelings where you have felt like you failed in the faith department because you should have had more faith and if you would have had more faith this would have happened or this wouldn't have happened and you've got this weight that you've been carrying and I just want to speak freedom over you today you might even be watching online if that relates to you I just want to speak freedom because God's plans are so much bigger than our own faith that's so limited God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. 
Do you see what this all means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Can you say that with me? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Say it again. Keep your eyes on Jesus. One more time. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, I love that. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. All right, there is a lot of scripture. Let's unpack it. How do we persevere? Number one, everyone say, get fixed on the right shoreline. Get fixed on the right shoreline. I love this. Look at what it says about Jesus. He never lost sight he never lost sight of where he was headed. See, our, our shoreline is threefold. Number one, it is Jesus. He is the only unchanging, only constant that we can focus on. See, when we're looking to something to give us hope, something to keep us going, something to just, oh man, to keep me believing, keep me hopeful, keep me hanging on. When we're looking to something to hope in so that we can persevere, we're looking to the wrong thing. We look to a someone. We look to Jesus. Jesus wants to be your shoreline. There is no fog that can cloud him. And what does that mean? Well, I know from personal experience when there's been seasons where I have felt like giving up. I remember this was, this was several years ago. And there was a season that was very, very dark for me. And there wasn't any real explanation as to why. It was like a very dark cloud that just went plop. And it didn't let up for about a year. And I remember so many times during that time, it's just like, I just want to quit. Somebody else can pastor. <laughs> Somebody else can do this. I don't have it in me. I'd rather go to med school and start all over and be a doctor than keep going. Now, let me clarify. It wasn't because things were going bad in the church. It was nothing like that at all. In fact, it was a really great time as far as church life goes. It was awesome. There wasn't any huge, you know, eruptions. There wasn't any division. There wasn't any you know, negative things going on that a lot of pastors kind of quit and they just can't take it anymore. There wasn't any COVID. <laughs> there was none of that. But I remembered in that season, God had to shift something in me from looking to a specific exit and just keep focused on him. And I think sometimes when we're in the thick of it, when we're in stuff that we want to get, we're trying to imagine, I just want to try, and this is because the world we live in has taken 
hope and they've twisted it into this counterfeit thing or they've even taken it and twisted it into a counterfeit where it's just like if you can just see it you can have it if you can just see it you can believe it now there's nothing wrong with with imagining our imagination is really important we need our imagination but there's sometimes that what we imagine is going to lead us in the wrong direction we're looking for imagining an exit out. I want to get out of this. I want this to stop. And we imagine it being over, and God says, I just need you to walk through, and I need you to keep your eyes on me. I need you to focus on me. Our shoreline is threefold. It's Jesus, but it's also eternity. There is a reward for enduring. Look at back. Hebrews 10. Actually, I want to read this out of the voice. Remember this, do not abandon your confidence, which leads to rich rewards. Simply endure, for when you will have done as God requires of you, you will receive the promise. Our shoreline involves an eternal perspective. You know, about a couple months, about a month or two ago, some of you might have heard of a pastor, preacher, he's very famous worldwide by the name of Bill Johnson. His wife passed away after a long battle of cancer. And I think she passed away on a Wednesday or Thursday, and he was preaching on Sunday. And he made this statement, and man, it just it shook me. He said, my ability to endure difficult situations is linked to the measure I live in an awareness of eternity. Isn't that powerful? Our ability to endure difficult situations is linked to the measure we live in an awareness of eternity. Our shoreline is Jesus. He never changes our shoreline is, it's about eternity. There is an eternal focus, but this, our shoreline is also others. Jesus had, you were in Jesus' shoreline. Look at this, the Passion Translation of 12.2. It says, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross, he conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that powerful? You know what enabled Jesus to go through the cross? It wasn't the fact that he was God. He went through the cross as a human being. He went through the cross as a God-man. We don't, I don't know how that worked, but he was fully God and fully man. But he endured because he saw to the end, and he saw that you and I were in that end. And you know what? Us enduring, you know what our shoreline is? You enduring, you persevering, you not giving up. It's not just about you. It's about the others who need your Jesus story on the other side of whatever it is you need to walk through, you need to stand in, you need to stay in. Your story is a powerful story. The generations through you need that story. And parents, I want to speak to you. I want to speak to those who, I'm going to speak really straight to couples who your marriage is struggling, you are struggling in this. Please hear my mama's heart. This isn't a heart to shame or guilt or bring condemnation. But I want to appeal to you. What story do you want told by the generations coming through you? What story do you want told? God wants to give you the ability to set a new story. The story through your family line might be one of divorce. 
might be one of breakup. You can set a new storyline. The storyline through your family, it might be all sorts of other kinds of tragedies. It might be addiction that has broken up families, that is, has wrecked lives. You know what? You can set a new story. Set a new story for the generations coming through you. Set a new story. What story do you want told? Look to the others. Man, I don't, I don't have anything in me, but I can do this for my kids. I can do it for the kids I will never see. Even if you not, don't have physical children, there are generations that your story will influence. Number one, choose the right, store, the right shoreline. Number two, go back to the story. Look at verse three again. I love this. When you're flagging, oh, in your faith, go over that story again and again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. You know what story they're talking about? They're talking about the cross. I don't know how or why, but there is a significant power in the cross of Jesus Christ, not as a charm we wear across our, we wear from on our neck, not as a token not as some symbol that hangs in our house or somewhere else, but understanding and living from the power of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul said, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. The cross is powerful. And there's something incredibly powerful about orienting our lives to the cross. And I want to encourage you with something, an experiment that you might want to try that I've been trying. I am on day 31, and I'm saying this not to pump myself up by any means. I'm saying it simply to just throw something out there as something you might want to try. But I am on day 31 of taking communion every single day. Some of you are like, you can do that when you're not in church? Yes, you can. (laughs) But this is about... A year ago, God started shifting something in me. This meal has been a part of my history for as long as I know. But there's something fresh, something powerful, and something new about this sacred moment. It's not just a rehearsing of the past. It's a bringing into the present the very power of the cross that that meal signifies. Not as a magic wand thing. But it's something we anchor and we align our lives to. When you align yourself to the most powerful, one of the the most powerful events that changed this planet, something can change in your life. And I felt something starting to shift. And I would like to even just invite you, if you were in a place of feeling like giving up, try the communion experiment. Try it and see if something starts to shift. And last one, number three. This is just super practical. Pre-decide quitting isn't an option. Just pre-decide quitting is not an option. You got to pre-decide because in the moment you will want to quit. You'll be just, and you will have every friend telling you why you should quit. Let me just say this. You got to really watch out the counsel that you get in hard seasons. You do not want the counsel of friends and others who have quit no matter how much they love you. Unless you're trying to quit something bad, like an addiction, that's you need to quit. And I'll just say that. Actually, there are times, there are things you need to quit. We need to quit negative self-talk. We need to quit habits and practices that are destructive and that are just not good for us or the people in your world that you love. 
there's certain things we need to quit. And sometimes there's activities or jobs that we need to quit because that season is over and God has something new and better for us. So please hear me out. But I believe in our culture today, quitting has become the first option. It has become the first response instead of going through. Quitting has become the norm and not the exception. And see, church, we are called and equipped to be different. We can't stand our ground. We can't stay out of our own strength and out of our own goodwill. You need the power of the cross. You need the life of Jesus Christ in you. That's why he died. That's what he rose again to give us. That is why the good news is such good news. It's like you don't have to try to live this life on your own. You don't have to try to stand. You don't have to persevere out of your own strength, out of your own fortitude. I'm a person, a character. I can do this. No, God gives you his power. He gives you his strength. He gives you his might. And I want to encourage you, can we, church, be different? Can we resist the opportunity to go down the easy path and become the lesser version of yourself? God created you to be one who stands their ground. Having done all, stand. Great is your faithfulness, O God. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Praise is what enables us to be able to stand our ground, to persevere. See, when you want to quit, will you please just hang on just a little bit longer? Will you try again? Will you believe again? Will you pray again? Will you put quitting as an option out of your mind for just a little while? Or at least in the do not disturb closet, okay? (laughs) Do not disturb, okay? Can we do that? And if quitting has become your first response in life, can you decide it's going to be the last resort? The last resort. And I know this flies in the face of all the cultural habits today. And some of you are like, oh, but you don't know my story. You're right, I don't. But 30 years of doing this thing called pastor and leading the church, my whole life in church, I do know this. I know that no matter how bad it is, there is always somebody who is going through something harder. There is. And I don't say that callously. I don't say that flippantly. I say it to bring some perspective because I I feel like as a culture, And as a church, we've gotten too overtaken by the culture of our world and the kingdom culture of persevering is not as thick in our lives as it should be. We're called to endure. We're called to be those that come alongside others and help them endure. We're called to persevere. We're called to come alongside others and say, you can do it. Get up, run. You can do this, and I'm going to run with you if I have to drag you. (laughs) Staying, standing, persevering, it flies in the face of the culture, but I know this. It opens the door to God's grace, to God's strength. It opens the door to his presence, most of all, like nothing else. 
going to invite you to stand. I want to pray quick. And then we're going to sing. And we're going to sing the song that we sang earlier. And I want you to turn it into a prayer, especially if you're going through a place, if you're going through, if you're in that season where you want to quit, you feel like quitting, you feel like giving up, or maybe you already have. You know what? I want to speak good news over you today. If you already have quit, you know what? It, you can go back and you can make it right. You, some of you might not be able to go back, but you can go forward with a whole new determination saying, Jesus, I am trusting you. Quitting is not going to be the option anymore. I am pre-deciding I'm going to serve you. I'm going to stand. I'm going to follow you. Jesus, you are my shoreline. Can we even pray that? Say, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I make a decision today to surrender my life. I look to you as my shoreline. I say yes to following you. I receive your life, your power, your goodness. Jesus, thank you for a new start today. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.